It snowed last night. It was the first time it snowed here this winter in Luxembourg, and it's also fiendishly cold as well. Uh, but so I'm not wearing shorts today. Hmm. Uh, is that sounds like an intro to a an episode on um, on shorting something? We need to have an expert here who can tell us about shorts, and we actually have someone here who's not wearing shorts in the middle of winter. Yes, but he knows all about shorts. It's Sandeep Dawan, who has been with us uh, before for our excellent Capital Markets episode. Listen to it if you haven't already heard that one. He's head of division for America, Asia, Pacific in the Finance Directorate. He also likes to go hiking in Switzerland. Do you wear shorts when you go hiking? Absolutely. Where do you go? I normally like the um, mountains around, uh, around St. Moritz, and I've been visiting them for the past uh, 11 years and, and sort of exploring them in various, from various different vantage points. Uh, it's a very nice area. I highly recommend it. In the summer? That in, is, yeah. Mostly in the summer. Uh, I'm not much of a skier, so I, I go in the summer. But summer is a relative term in the mountains. Uh, I've been in shorts and, and, and flip-flops um, high up, and it's snowed on me, and um, it's enjoyable. How long do you hike? Like, I mean, how many kilometers per day? Or? At my age, I try and keep it intraday and come back to the relative comfort of a hotel rather than put myself up outdoors in a tent. But when I was younger, then, uh, you know, staying out at night uh, in a tent was which, uh, was a lot more, more bearable, I suppose, is the way to put it. Huh. Hmm. San Moritz, that's where they have the race with the, the horses on the, uh, on on the, the ice. Yes. They're on the lake when it freezes over. Exactly. Wow. You wouldn't be able to wear shorts no, for that. No, shorts But there. shorts, all this stuff about shorts... Uh, you know, I'm sure you have lovely legs, Sandip, uh, when you're wearing shorts. But today you're going to talk to us about something else to do with shorts. What is a short in the financial markets? Well, before I begin to explain that, uh, the, I think classifying me as an expert on shorts is a bit of a stretch. But I'll play, play along for the purposes of this podcast. Thank you. Okay. So um, when anyone buys a financial asset and owns financial assets, the slang or, or, or colloquial way to call that ownership is sometimes known as being long that asset. Now, the question, of course, is that what happens if you sell that asset? Well, if you sell that asset, then you don't own it anymore. We don't really need to have a term for that. You've sold the asset. Um, so the state of being long implies a more than momentary state of owning an asset. But it also implies, I think, that you believe this asset in the long term, however long that long term is, but, you know, moving forward into the future is going to increase in value, right? That's why you own it. You want to see your the value increase. Absolutely. And as long as the investment is rational, then, yes, that would be the premise on which you would go long a financial asset. Um, however... Um, if you get rid of that asset or sell it or take profits on, on, on whatever money you've made, um, there is no need to have terminology or, or a colloquial term for that. Nevertheless, there is logically another state of affairs where you want to sell something or sell a financial asset whose value you believe is excessive or more than it should be, and you believe the value or the price is going to fall, and you want to be able to express that view by selling the asset. Problem is, you don't own the asset, so how do you go about it? The, the ability to sell an asset that you don't own is termed being short that asset. And the way that's uh, 
done in practical terms is that you you find someone who owns that asset who then lends it to you for for a fee obviously and then you sell it immediately and and then you buy it back from the market at the lower price if if the price does indeed drop according to your predictions is that Exactly right. So essentially, you have to borrow or rent that asset in order to be able to sell it and pass it on to your buyer and hope that the price falls soon enough for you to be able to buy it back and give the asset back to whoever you borrowed or rented it from. So if if your prediction is correct and uh, and the value of that asset does indeed fall, then you make a profit because you can buy it back from the market at a lower price. Uh, then you sold it for, and then you can return that asset to the one who lent it to you. Exactly. And if your prediction is wrong, then you just end up losing because you still have to buy it back from the market and return it to the owner. Absolutely right. There is a, a lot of uh, sort of complexity involved in what seems to be a simple proposition. Some of that has to do with, well, there are two kinds of shorts. The short that we are talking about is called a covered short, which basically means you sold an asset, but you were able to borrow it in order to be able to sell it. There are ways to sell assets without borrowing it. Let's just imagine, and I'll simplify it a little, that you sell an asset, and by the time you actually need to deliver it to the buyer, you can go out and purchase the asset because the price has fallen quite quickly, in which case you haven't covered your short. And this kind of short is called a naked short. We're, we're smirking here. We should, should be known that we're smirking at the naked short. Yeah, sorry, go on. Very nice. A covered short is something that is easily traceable or uh, is, is relatively transparent since the borrowing of the asset is easily recorded and those transactions come up and, and, and can be noticed, whereas naked shorts can be done sort of under the radar. And so naked shorts are frowned upon. It's a very limited activity. It's only done by, let's say, some kind of hedge funds who don't want the market to know exactly what kind of short activity they're getting into and so on and so forth. But it's quite limited and it's looked upon askance by regulators and and governments and so on. Shorting should be a natural activity. There is no law in the world that says prices of assets can only go up. They should be able to go down. And if they, can, if they do go up and down, then expressing a view, whether they go up, which is yeah. long, or, or go short, should be as equally legitimate. But for some reason, generally speaking, shorting is... Yeah, it's seen as you're trying to bring the value of a company exactly. down, but maybe the value of the company should be less than it is. Exactly. But go, going back to the covered short, mm-hmm. where you actually have to borrow an asset mm-hmm. in order to, to do that deal. If I... If I'm the owner of that asset, why would I lend it to you if I know your aim is to, to, uh, to uh, re- you know, you, you're, you're hoping the price will drop? Why would I allow you to even um, make, that kind of, make, make that kind of a deal? Because if you're right, if you, if you succeed in your aim, by the time you return that asset to me, it will be worth a lot less than it is now? Uh, well, that's, that, that's an excellent question. But, um, and there are sort of two ways to, to answer that. The first and simple way is that if you own an asset, you own it 
because you expect, as you were saying, the price of the asset to go up, otherwise you won't own it. So you have a view that the price should, should increase. Another person has a view that the price should decrease. Now, if both types of people did not exist in markets, we wouldn't have markets because you need a buyer and you need a seller in order to transact. So you need conflicting views. That's what makes a market. So there is no contradiction in your being long and lending that asset because you're sitting on it. It's earning you nothing in terms of, um, you know, it's just lying somewhere doing nothing and you want to make some productive use of it. You can lend it to someone in the meantime and earn some extra money whilst retaining your view that the overall price of that asset will increase in, in, in a particular t- point and in time. I do have to assume that the guy shorting it wouldn't be able to move the market by just by the, the fact of shorting it, right? You would have to assume that, but you would also have to assume it, it all depends on what your investment horizon is. Maybe on the day the seller or the short uh, sells, the price dips a bit. So perhaps that's fine. You you don't particularly care about a minor dip in the price, uh, which is intraday or, or for the last or a couple of days. Your view is that this asset has value in it, and over time it'll make you money. And you, as long as you're confident in your view, you stick with that view. More often, the way this happens is that it's not you and me, the short, who are involved directly. You have your securities lying with some broker, and the broker has asked you to sign an agreement that he will look after the securities for you, deal with companies, deal with all the stock exchanges and registers and so on and so forth. But also that you allow the broker to lend these securities if he so wishes. And obviously, if the broker is allowed this lending activity, the broker gets a cut off by renting these securities out and he'll share that cut with you. So there's a financial incentive for you to sign these kind of agreements. And then all the broker does is the short approaches these brokers. The brokers say, yeah, fine, we've got a whole bunch of securities to lend to you. Which one do you want to short? And, and they take it from them. So I, if you'll forgive me, I want to get into the naked shorts here. <laughs> uh, I had to say that. But, uh, but really, with the covered short, okay, so I have a security that I borrowed from you, and then I can go and sell it. But if I'm a naked short, I don't have the security, so what do I sell? Well, securities, when they are bought or sold, don't, in inverted commas, settle immediately in the sense that if I sell you something, I will not expect that money from you instantaneously, and you should not expect to have ownership in terms of any changes in the records happening immediately. The administrative uh, way these things work, and before, before um, Bitcoin and, and uh, you know, shared ledgers came along, uh, the whole settlement process is not inst- instantaneous. That takes a little bit of time. It could take one day, two days, sometimes seven days for settlement. And it is that short period that allows me to pursue what is called a naked short, where I'm, I don't have to give you anything. All I've done is got entered into a contract with you that you're going to buy this off me at today's price. I then go run along and find that in two days' time, the price has dropped far more than, than, than anyone else expected. I buy it back. And then eventually, seven days later, we all settle up these transactions and we're all good. So I didn't need to borrow the security in order to make good on these settlements and not default on my settlements. But we're talking about very short time frames and taking advantage of the friction of, of settlement periods. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we'll keep it short on that as it's a short episode and as we have already inflicted enough puns on our listeners. 
Sandeep, thank you so much for explaining uh, shorts and longs to us. Do you call them longs? Yes. Or just long positions? Yeah. Longs sounds weird. Shorts sounds right. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm wearing long pants, but I wear shorts sometimes. See? It, maybe it all comes down to trousers. But Sandeep, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to A Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank. Please be in touch with us and let us know what you think of the show uh, on Twitter at EIBMATT, E-I-B-M-A-T-T, that's me. Or at Alar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. And we'll see you next week, or you'll listen to us next week.